Cool. You know, very good. So I'm. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciated you coming on. I really wanted to talk to you about that, and I I enjoyed hearing about your uh, your new occupation, and I wish you nothing but the best in your endeavors. Stick with it. I know it's tough. I know it's it's hard work, but it's good work. So you know, um, the most annoying thing, Matt. What? The most annoying thing is that it, I have to still appeal to Christians. <laughs> because Christians are still the only ones who, even though it's a manipulated and abused and used in all kinds of bad ways, still the only ones who actively push the idea of taking care of the poor. Yeah. There's a lot of people on social media that are not Christians and are deconstructing and talk about being good people without being Christians. Right. I don't see fucking any of them. Yeah. See them. Yeah. The people who we consistently see showing up are people that are Christians who are often problematic, but but they're there with resources. Yeah. So yeah. it's that's annoying. I wish more people who weren't Christian came out to actually do shit. Yeah. Yep. And I don't know what to make of all that. It's one of the reasons why I think maybe Jesus has something going on. Or sure. you just have a bunch of people that are trying to buy their way into heaven. <laughs> Whatever. Awesome. Whatever gets I don't really give right. a shit what their motives are as long as right. they're helping us keep people alive. Right. 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 I think it's interesting. You know, I, I try not to I try not to psychologize. We I'm just I'm beginning to do this thing now, Nick, where I already have done it once where where we do a a a raw like 15 minute after after we end bonus episode occasionally. So this will probably become one. <laughs> but like I do, I, I'm often, um, I'm often, uh, disturbed and, and made frustrated by the fact that, um, there is real moral like strength in Christianity and in the gospel, um, even while it is like hijacked by all these really terrible forces and and it frustrates me not because i'm not glad like i'm glad that there's real moral strength in people and there um but it frustrates me because i think to myself like man like there's something real here if we can if we can just peel back layers right like if we can just peel back um uh, uh powerful people hijacking christianity for their own political ends or or fear and fear-based, like, you know, do as I say, do as I do what I tell you, and then you'll get to go to heaven kind of a thing. Because even like you're saying, even among people like that, there, you just can't get around the fact that Jesus is a poor Palestinian who, (laughs) who, yeah. And don't get me wrong. We get plenty of people who show up and we have to turn away. Because they show up, they're like, I want to help. We're like, okay, uh, you know, fill out your paperwork to be a volunteer. Um, and then you have to come have a, like a meeting with us, like an interview. And people first are like, we have to interview to volunteer. I'm like, yeah, you have to fucking interview. <laughs> We're not going to take you out on the street and ruin our relationship with these people because we didn't interview you. Right. Um, and a lot of people who come out to want to volunteer, this is what's hard. We have to turn away a lot of people who want to volunteer. And we take out almost nobody because the right people aren't coming out to volunteer. Because the people who come out to volunteer say shit like, we got to get these freeloaders off the street and shit like that. 
Yeah. And so like Robin is like, okay, thank you for your time. Goodbye. Like, no, we're not, I'm not wasting my time taking you out. So you can be an asshole to people. Um, Like something's compelling you to be here and take care of them. But like your mind is so poisoned by the, by the bad shit that you can't like, there's like some real cognitive dissonance going on with these people. Um, And the people who I'd want to take out in the street don't, don't come out, (laughs) you know? Well, because volunteering is hard. It's hard work. Yeah. It's fucking hard. It's really hard work and it's, it's, it's fucking exhausting a, and it hurts your fucking feet and it fucking and it's thankless tired. and it's yeah. thankless. I mean, especially when you're dealing with the clientele that you're, you're describing mm-hmm. the, the schizophrenics and the people that have serious addiction problems. As, as Jesus might put it, the least of these. Yeah. Right. It, mm-hmm. it, well, that, those are hard people to deal with, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it's not something that like a weekend war, it's, it's a lot easier for me to throw a couple of, pieces of loose change into a Salvation Army bucket when I leave the grocery store and call myself, uh, you know, a caring person than it is to actually go out and do these things and actually go out and, you know, lug the water and have the conversations and provide the care. It's way easier to just uh, say, well, I'm going to drop off a, a, a box of toilet paper today. And then and I've done my part. And listen, listen, I'll take it. Like, I'll take the boxes of toilet paper. I really will. Uh, and I'm not trying to condemn people who do that part of it. I'm not, I'm not condemning them. What no, I'm saying I, is that's, I, I that's know. I just want to put that out there and be clear. Like, listen, people's roles in this are going to be different. Some people just aren't built to go out on the street with people. That's fine. Right. If you're more built to, like, organize, like, donation drives, do that. That's great. Right. It goes a long way. Um finding the right role for people is just, isn't really what we do, right? Right. We have to take what comes. We're not trying to organize everybody at every level. We're just trying to get the volunteers who can go out. And like, I want to say this too, like if you do use this as a mini episode, that'd be great because like anybody who does, I don't know what your, your listenership is like on this show, but like anybody who, (laughs) all seven people who listen to this show, uh, including myself who will listen back to this later. Um, you know, I think it's a really intimidating thing to get into because it feels like it's a lot and it feels really overwhelming, especially like there's so much you don't know until you get there. And then as you start to figure stuff out, it's really intimidating and it feels like a tidal wave of information of work that you didn't realize goes into it. And you feel a lot of us have imposter syndrome a lot. I've been dealing with it since yeah. I've come into this job a lot. Um, Ethan's mom, Robin, is i don't know what like five six five seven yeah five four something like that five four maybe maybe weighs a hundred (laughs) pounds soaking wet uh and she started this whole thing off of sheer audacity like you know yes these are people who get kicked out of shelters because they're violent and they're abusive and like you know they're addicts and they're unpredictable and it can be scary and intimidating but like if robin sheer who i'm not putting your mom down either your mom's a formidable woman and can handle herself. But that's my point. Like anybody who's questioning, if you can handle it, you can, mm-hmm. you just, you just got to get out there and be with the right people. Nobody's going to just throw you in by yourself. You're going to go out with people. Right. You're, um, the the you're will to do that is the most important uh, aspect. Yeah. 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 Uh, so don't, don't hesitate. If you feel moved to like get out in your community and do more, find the organization, reach out, just dive in. 
our generation's so hesitant. We really are. We have a lot of imposter syndrome, like I said. We have a lot of insecurity. We have a lot going on. You also have a lot of people that have their own problems. Yeah. You know, you have a lot of people that are, are struggling with people that are struggling with financial concerns. There's a lot of people that are struggling on their own right now. And it's, it's really it makes it doubly hard to, to give of yourself for others whenever you're still trying to take care of number one. You're absolutely right. And I'm not trying to diminish anybody's struggles or anything. But if you're feeling moved to do it, get up and try it. Worst case scenario, you stop doing it after a week. Yeah. I don't know. Just I, I hope people feel empowered to get out there and actually start doing things. Um, corporations in America, capitalism. Let's let's get real communist for me. Uh, <laughs> capitalism has really done a really super job of finding ways to make you feel like to get the dopamine rush of feeling like you've helped people right. without ever actually having to do anything to help people. The most recent thing that's starting to happen uh, is so self-checkouts at these major corporations like Target and Walmart and Giant and Weiss and like all these like, you know, these big organizations, they have these self-checkouts now and they uh, have this thing where they ask you if you want to round up your change and donate to like the organization or whatever. And it's like, oh, it's just a little change. It's easy. It rounds up my figure. That's great. Okay. Well, yes, some that does go to that organization. At least a percentage of it does, but a bigger piece of that is just tax write-offs for those organizations as corporations. And they're making shit tons of money off of you rounding up your change, feeling like you're doing helpful things and good things. And, uh, that's capitalism at work, baby. You feel good (laughs) about yourself. You, you donated three cents to the, to the children's hospital. Uh, and, they get a shit ton of money off of it. (laughs) Uh, And they do enough of those things. Enough of that stuff exists in our society all at once to convince us that we're doing enough. Right. Right. And we're seeing the wage gap gets further and further apart. Uh, Homelessness is on the rise. Especially right. So right now, it's it's objectively not true that we're doing enough. Yeah, it's objective. The problems would be getting better, right? Yeah. Uh, but we're doing a really good job. We do a really good job of doing the the corporations do a good job of doing just enough to those things are essentially active propaganda, right? right. Sure. Um, a participatory propaganda. Put that in your dissertation, Ethan. Well, it's uh, just like uh, it's just like any other capitalist motivation they're they're preying off of your kindness or they're preying off of your uh they're playing to your sympathies to get you to buy a product or participate in an activity i mean that's what that's what capitalism is all about yeah yeah and i just think that's fascinating Um, and i don't know how to fight that (laughs) well i i think that the biggest way to dispel some of that is is already you've already kind of talked a bit about it nick is how do you dispel like uh, ma- the the sort of the magic and the glamour and the power you know that goes into manipulating people well you dispel it by just be by by having pointing people, it out not only pointing it out not only exposing it but you dispel it by by placing people in situations in which glamour can't cover it you know right that's one of the reasons why um cities as you know very well like because of your work nick like cities 
spend so much time trying to cover homelessness up rather than address it. Like you cannot, you cannot make it look correct. Like you can't make it look good. And right. so you just hide it. Um, but the moment you uh, are confronted by it, um, that's when it's like, oh, well, the answer is the, the answer is none of this other stuff is working. Um, I now have to, in, in order to even begin to do anything ethical, I now have to encounter you as a human being, you know, and, right. and, and see it in that way. Uh, Gustavo Gutierrez comes to mind, who's a Latin American liberation theologian. And he has this relatively legendary moment, Matt, uh, and Nick, you might have heard this before, uh, where, where Gustavo Gutierrez is this Catholic Peruvian theologian who develops theologies for the poor in Latin America. And uh, he's, he's at this uh, um, council, like this, this Catholic council where he's getting in trouble for being a Marxist. And, and uh, you know, these different priests are, are like putting him up for trial, including what will soon become Pope Benedict XVI, um, who was who at the time before he was Pope was in charge of some of these trials. Um, and, uh, and he said to Gustavo Gutierrez, you know, you're a Marxist, you're defying the church, you're doing all this bad stuff. And you, you, you know, and, and, and it's bad. And Gustavo Gutierrez is like, all I am doing is, is following the social teachings of the Catholic church and loving the poor. And Pope Benedict XVI, before he's Pope Benedict XVI, responds with, I do love the poor. And Gustav Gutierrez says, name them. (laughs) (laughs) Who? (laughs) Who do you love? That is, that sounds so simple. That is such a powerful point. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, and it's, it's something like we sit around and we talk about and like, if I would have heard that exact story with that exact like moment in it, two years ago i would have found that powerful but it wouldn't have necessarily moved me but like now that i've been out and i am knowing people's names like it has so much more power so like i don't know (sighs) we spend so much time talking in our society we really do that and i think one of the what i wish we could get beyond because i'm not a full-blown marxist like ethan is but (laughs) um i believe that the capitalist system has some virtues but I think the biggest downfall is this um, this competitiveness, this this jealousy, um, this judgment um, that people seem to have. Where where you see somebody at working at McDonald's and you say, "Well, they're," and you make a, a snap judgment in your head—not you specifically—but people make a snap judgment in their head and say, "Well, that person's not worth fifteen dollars an hour. That job's not worth $15 an hour because I only make $15 an hour. And what I do is much more important than what they do. Or, you know, um, why, why should this homeless person not have to pay rent, but I have to pay rent. So there's nobody can be happy for somebody else getting, getting by anymore. You know, people see, you know, somebody who's on unemployment and they're like, Oh, they're just freeloading off of society. That's not the case. You know, uh, they're, there's this competitiveness, there's this jealousy that runs just underneath the surface in our culture, sure. I think, that affects... Because our society, our ethics, our whole thing is dominated by the market. It's dominated by money, and the money in the market is necessarily competitive. Right, but it's, but it's, it's even beyond that, because why, 
why should I feel upset if you make more money doing something that doesn't affect me? Do you know what I mean? Like, why should I be, why should I be incensed to the point where I'm going to write my congressman or attend a rally? Uh, because, you know, the guy making my hamburgers getting paid better. Like, why should I, why, why would, why should that make me angry? You know, I understand the competitiveness in the market. I understand that, you know, you, you want to sell your product for more as much as you possibly can. And you want to have the best performance or, or whatever it is. I, like, I understand that, that order of competitiveness. What I don't under, understand is the envy uh, mm. that we feel towards other people. That- <laughs> but it's just because we make the market the idol. Like we, everything is understood through the lens and the framework of the market, whether we use those words to understand it or not, that's the reality of the social structures that exist around us. So we mimic the ethics, the ethics of the market are mimicked by us in our relationships, because that's the thing we've put in the highest esteem in our society. Um, So I wouldn't call myself a full Marxist, but I would definitely call myself an anti-capitalist for sure. Um, and I think that you're closer to that than you realize. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just when I when I speak of capitalism, I, I'm talking more or less um, uh, like, for for example, I, I don't think a hospital administrator should make more than a heart surgeon. Right. If you're going to crack me open and put a new heart into my body and keep me alive, pay him, pay him as much as he wants, pay him double. Like, that's fine. Like, that's fine if a, if a, if a professional athlete right is going to make 30 million dollars a year to play baseball good for him like people are going to buy the tickets to come and see him and they're going to pay 400 dollars a ticket to get a seat fine he's worth that then you know like i i'm okay with those sorts of with those sorts of value market based values right what i'm not okay with is like the administrative stuff and the jealousy that, that it, I, I hear people all the time say, well, why should a baseball player get $30 million? He's just playing a game for a living. Well, first of all, you fucking can't. <laughs> like the reason he's getting paid $30 million is because he can do something that very few people can do. And you're not that. So that's the problem. Tough people shit don't for believe you. that. There's <laughs> a really good quote. I'm going to bring it back to fantasy literature for a second. Because whatever you think of him, however pissed off you are at him for not releasing the third book at this point, fantasy <laughs> author Patrick Rothfuss, who wrote the King Killer Chronicles, uh, put a really, really, really powerful line in his books that has fucking stuck with me. And it's his description and understanding of what makes some, how you know somebody's noble. Right. Right. So like in the fantasy series, in the fantasy setting, it's like the kingdom structure and whatever. He's like, they're like, how do you, you know, mimic a noble person? It's like, oh, it's super easy. Uh, The thing that separates uh, somebody with noble blood from everybody else is the belief that they can do literally anything they want to if they really wanted to. Right. Um, And nobody else believes that. It's it's only the people who are raised that way. And I'm like, that's brilliant because that's just what we are. We're just that's, a society well, that's, that's raised that's, to believe we are all noble people. That's that the American dream, right? We all do whatever right? we want. If that, we that's the American, that's the that's the myth of the American dream. That's yeah. the that's the um, you can be anything you want to be if you just work hard enough and try hard enough and train hard enough. You can be anything you want to be. And so, Bullshit. as a result, <laughs> they're not better than me because I could do that if I really wanted to. That's just not but what she I can't. That, and 
that's well, there's an arrogance that needs to be addressed in our society because like we can't even get 30 good quarterbacks in the NFL for Christ's sake. Like (laughs) I'm a Panthers fan. You hit me deep. deep. (laughs) There's 30 teams in the NFL. There's like fucking six good quarterbacks. I, I think that, um, I think that, oh God, I had a thought. I had a thought based on everything that was said. Isn't that dangerous? Damn it. I know. I shouldn't be I shouldn't be worrying my pretty head. Getting shinier, shinier head. Uh, what was my thought? Shit, what was my thought? I don't know. Can we get rid of arrogance? Can we get rid of uh get rid of arrogance? arrogance. Uh, jealousy. It's, it's connected to both of your comments. It's connected to what you were both saying. <laughs> oh shit. I can't think of it. I can't think of it. I'll, I'll say this. I, I actually, I agree with, the, oh, I remember now. I think that, um, I think that there's two things that I'm, that I'm thinking about. One, the part of, I think the resentment and the arrogance and all of this um, is connected to the fact that there, I think that most people can sense, even if they can't name it, that, that their lives um, can easily be ruined after two very bad weeks right you, that there's that that most people in this country and probably around the world are sort of living on a precipice if if i didn't get paid and beth didn't get paid in two weeks we'd be done like it'd be over you know like we couldn't make bills could pay rent it, 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 it's just that simple we don't we don't have any savings because we can't afford to have any savings people do and that's great i'm not mad about that but i think that this is one of the reasons why I like personally advocate for um, a stronger and more robust social safety net, not because I'm interested in creating lazy people, but because I think that there are certain things that folks shouldn't have to worry about. Like, like things like, can I, if, if suddenly I pass out for an unknown reason, will going to the doctor to check that out, ruin me financially (laughs) like like, no like you should probably be able to to know that that you can see a doctor and 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 you'll be okay and i think that things like that if if from a systemic perspective those things were fixed i think that that would go a long way i don't think it would solve the problem of human arrogance or human resentment but i think it would go a long way for a lot of people to um uh, not be sitting around, you know, wondering why somebody uh, makes more money than me, right? Uh, because because it wouldn't be necessarily life or death in that moment. Well, and the thing is, I think a lot of people that would uh, object to your argument would say something like, "Well, if you weren't taking Tolkien classes in high school or in college, and you were taking something that was a little bit more meritorious, maybe you would have a good job." And you would have good health insurance and you wouldn't have to worry about your savings. You know, that's that that's the mentality that somebody would say. And it's like uh, that. I I know that that's what people would say, because I've heard people say that to me. You know, well, Mm -hmm. if you wouldn't have done this, maybe you like. The judgmental uh, aspect of it is is unfair because we all live in this with this mythos that we can be anything we want to be. We can do anything we want to want to do. We're in control of our own destiny. And it's not, it's not true. It's not yeah, true. You can't be anything. The you numbers want. You can, make that objectively false. Yeah, you can, you can, you can right. be anything you can be. 
right? Sure. Like you, you can, you, in, in the United States, you can be anything that you can be, not anything that you want to be. And that's what right. people have to understand. Right. I agree. My other thought, this is my other thought, was I'm reminded of a really uh, great conversation I had when I, when I was serving in, in Kerwinsville, in town, with uh, Carol, a woman who has my heart, who, who uh, uh, she owned the local grocery store in town. And we had a, a great argument about capitalism that was not really, that was about capitalism, but we didn't name it as capitalism. Uh, and how it connected to the church, because Carol was like, well, you know, I mean, we got to be able to compete with these other churches, Pastor. I mean, that's right. part of the reason why we brought you in, right? You're the shiny new toy to compete with with stuff. And she was kind of kidding with me, but, but there was a sense in which she believed that, like there was a sense in which that was serious. And, uh, and I was like, so you really think that, because um, it was about the search for peace. Was, yeah. was the second thing. You really think that because this church gets, let's say, 900 people total to see the search for peace every year it's put on, that that, that, that means it's really good and really successful and like a really good and great thing. She's like, yeah, isn't that, isn't that the way the market works? And I'm like, <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, Carol, do you really think that Walmart has the best food and the best grocery store on planet earth even better than yours but she's like no and i'm like well then well then why in the world is walmart have a million people every day and, <laughs> and your store doesn't she's like well i i don't know and i'm like i know because there's, <laughs> there's a hundred reasons why yeah. why uh something like that happens and 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 good old-fashioned human beings making the right choice isn't one of those things exactly there, there are a million reasons why we are encouraged to make the choices we make and why sometimes the choices are made for us you know right and they're, and, and uh, they're elements that are completely out of your control right but it's it's interesting that you bring that story up because uh, the I, I watched your sermon this oh sunday i live streamed it and uh it was it was amusing right after you had finished with your message with your sermon one of the uh parishioners was talking to beth you could hear him on the video and he was talking about we need to get people back here the church is dying and we need to get people back in the building like he said this over yeah it, it came over the the audio while there was a hymn or something going on he was like panicking he's like we need to we need to fix this and I was like, did you not listen to anything that he just said for like, no. you just sat through 15 minutes of him ex explaining to you how that's not the issue. And then the first thing that they say after you're done speaking is that I was like, oh boy, he's got his hands full. But that's just the church, bud. That's just the yeah, church all around. Church. That, that one guy just, just literally personified the entire American church. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, We'll wrap this up, you know, and, and I appreciate Nick you staying on a little bit longer uh, to to do this bonus. We're all we're I was I wanted to name it. We're live, pal. We're live, pal. <laughs> That's my favorite thing ever in all of pro wrestling. Uh, well, the fact of let me do that again. Uh, we're live, pal. Oh, sorry. 
<laughs> anyway. So you got uh, a one and three-fourths chance. Oh, no, don't do it. So today I, I had a I, – I spent like two and a half hours meeting with the head of my worship committee at the new church. Um, and we just chatted. We chatted about her sense of the town and her sense of the congregation and where she felt things needed to be improved and, and things like that. It was a really good conversation. And, and she brought up a concern because in the sermon, Nick, I, I talk about, um, I talked about uh, um, culture war and, and the fear that we're told that we need to be afraid of for us Christians. And I basically come out and said, I just think that's all garbage. I, I think, I think we need to understand that. Lo and behold, friends, it is bullshit. <laughs> it is bullshit. I'm sorry to say, you know, uh, nothing to be worried about in, in that sense. Not this anyway, you know, and, and I said that like it violated Jesus' commandment of do not be afraid, do not let your heart be controlled, all that good stuff. And she, she sort of brought it up and, and she was cut like, to a man panicking within two yeah, minutes. Then cut, cut, to, <laughs> cut to somebody ignoring that. Uh, and she kind of brought that up and, and, and she was like, so like, what is it, what is it that pastor, you know, that you're like trying to get us to think about, like, you know, I don't really see us as being a fearful place or an anxious place. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you brought this up because I actually think anxiety and fear are the two primary motivations of this congregation. <laughs> and, and, she, and she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, and I, and I began to, I've only been here for a few days. Like I've been here as long as you've been at friends and neighbors. Like, like I, I, and I'm like, well, here are five experiences that I have had so far that tell me that fear and anxiety is the primary motivator. The first week of a job like yours or mine, because I've been in ministry too. Like the first week, like yeah you can only see so much of a place in a week but the first week is very telling yeah oh tends to be a very honest snapshot of what's going to come Mm -hmm. uh for things like that so yeah i get it and and i learned that from my dad matt you're gonna love this This is one of my (laughs) my favorite mark shear stories really really quick um i went in my dad used to work for weiss for like weiss markets as like an executive and I, and I went into his office one time while he worked there because we had to do something. And so, like, it's, it's like I got to stop by the office. So we, so we go into his office. We're in Weiss HQ, you know, in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. And I walk into his office, and his, on one of his walls is just one whiteboard. And that's just the length of the wall. And he's just got different things, like a calendar. He's got different things drawn up there. And I'm looking at the whiteboard. There's a shit ton of stuff I did not understand because he's a mechanical engineer and an IT person and I just don't know what I'm looking at. And then in the corner, there is a line and it says, uh, full of anxiety, susceptible to intimidation. That's (laughs) all it said. And I was like, what is this, dad? And my dad said, at the end of my first week, that's what I wrote as the culture of Weiss markets. <laughs> and he's like, and he's, that's what he said. He's like, I could tell what, what I was working in after my first week, like yeah. full of anxiety, susceptible to intimidation. You know? <laughs> and I'm, I'm like my dad. And, and so, and I learned that from my dad. Right. Like, and so I sat with this woman and I was like, I think, I think that 
this church is filled with anxiety and I think it's filled with fear. And I'm going to be preaching on fear for the next, for at least the rest of the summer, actually. That's my plan. Um, but uh, I've already got that planned out. But like I told her, I was like, this is, this is why I think the culture war nonsense works in churches. Yeah, it's absolutely because, because fear and anxiety are the operative thing. And so because they look around and they say, oh, we've missed three generations of people. We've failed three generations of people and have failed to connect with our communities and everything. We, we failed everything. Uh, what do we do? You know, do we own up to it and do a massive change or do we accept the fact that it's the culture that's wrong? <laughs> yeah. We you blame know? others. It's yeah. much easier to blame others. <laughs> and, and, we, and we latch on to strong people you know, and, and people that, that have a lot of strength and a lot of confidence and a lot of all of this stuff. And she, and I finished that and she was really, she was really thinking about it. And she was like three generations. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, her name is Shelly. I was like, Shelly. <laughs> yes. Like she's a, a young boomer. And I'm like, <laughs> Gen X millennial Gen Z. Do you see any of them in, in Archer? <laughs> And she just had never thought of that three generations. Like it just yeah. never, it never like, it never entered her brain. When yeah. you say Wait, it like that, it feels like, massive, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Way yeah. to, like, to assuage your anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. You, you may not have defined it that well. What is it? Uh, Plinkett. Reviewing the Star Wars things, you may not have thought about it, but your brain noticed. Yeah, you, you may not have. You may not have thought about it, but your brain did. Like, and your brain saw it. Yeah, I, and I, I do. I think that the anxiety and stuff like that, I think that's operative in churches and operative for people. Um, and I don't really have a great connection to the whole conversation, but that was, that was what I did today, friends. Yeah. I thought I had a connection, but I forgot. <laughs> nah, you're good, man. It's a crazy world. I have to go Nick, pass out. <laughs> yeah, Nick, pass thank out. you so much for joining us. I had a great time. Uh, it's nice talking to you. I, I, I enjoyed your input. Um, thank you again for joining us today. It's good to see you, Matt. It's good to be talking back instead yeah. of, you know, listening to you guys talk and feeling like I'm in a conversation. About and just it. shouting at the steering wheel. About how wrong <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All righty. All right, friends. We'll talk to you later. Good night, friends. Bye-bye.